0: just uh, we'll go right to the word of God um, if you have your Bibles can you please turn to Romans we're going to be coming from Romans as we all know our pastor has us going through a a journey I would dare not go to Romans chapter 12. <laughs> He definitely does not need anyone to come behind him. (laughs) He's doing a great job. However, um, with all of the Sunday school classes being on the same journey and the Bible studies and the whole church, I wanted to at least stay in the neighborhood. So um, we will be coming from Romans chapter 1, beginning at verse 1. I'm excited about the word that God has for us today. I'm not sure if all of it is something we can shout about, but it is truly the word of God, and that's the way that we need to bring it forth. Amen. amen. I'll be reading from the King James Version. We're only—we're not going that far, so it really shouldn't make a big difference on the translations. Um, if you have it, say "Amen." amen. All right. It says, "Paul." a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God. You may be seated. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God. Um, I'm talking to you today from the idea of proper... Progressions, proper progressions are, um, if you like another title or a subtext would be, what is it that you are called to do? What is God calling you to do? If you can, um, if we can go before the throne of God. Heavenly Father, right now I come asking that you would remove me out of the way. Um, I believe that there are people here today that came to hear a word from you. I came to hear a word from you. Lord, if you allow me to stand up here within myself, that will not be done. But I ask that you would just push me out of the way and rather use me as a drink offering to be filled up and poured out upon your people. Right now, I'm asking that every word that comes out of my mouth would just drip with your anointing, that I would be so saturated with your very word and saturated with your anointing that perhaps deliverance might take place this morning, perhaps salvation even might take place this morning, that someone may be able to get to know you better and that our relationships may be in a better place by the time we leave here today. In your awesome name we pray, amen. Um, Before we start, I really just have a question for you all. And let me preface this by saying I believe that a lot of times when we ask questions, especially being ministers and from the pulpit, that you guys think that we're just trying to hype you up and we don't ever address the actual question or thing like that. But I actually really want you to think about this and answer it, if you will. Uh, I'm curious to know if there is anybody in the house who has ever had a true God experience Uh, I'm curious to know if there's anybody here who has ever been met with the actual person and presence and power of God. If you've ever been in the same room as him where his very power and his presence was irrevocable and you knew that he was there. Have you ever been met with God? Is there anybody here that has ever had an experience with God? I'm told that Isaiah says that when I looked and I saw God in the temple high and lifted up, even just his train filled the temple. I believe that where God is, he makes his presence known. He he has a certain stage presence about him that he can't be in the room and you not know that he's there. I, I believe that if you, there are some experiences in life that that stay with you. I remember Reverend Dr. Smith standing in this pulpit not even a year ago, and he talked about amnesia and amnesis. He talked about there are some things in life that, you can't help but forget, that your body will allow you to forget, and that's amnesia. But then he said that there are some things in life that you can't help but remember. Amnesia says, He he talked about there are some smells that your olfactory glands will smell, and it will trigger something in your mind and take you back to something. I, I believe that people who were there in New York City at the time of 9-11, when, those are images that you don't ever forget. I believe that they can be walking down the street, and if they smell something, even even close to the debris, even close to the smoke, that their mind will instantaneously go back to that. There are experiences that you will go through in your life that will not allow you to ever forget. There are experiences in your life that will shake you at your core. There are experiences in your life that will change you. Experiences will change your perception of things. Experiences will influence your future decisions. There are things that I've done, but because of my experience I can say I will never do those things again. I believe that if you have an experience with God that ought to be one of those experiences. I could preach all day about experiences. I I believe that if anybody has ever really had an experience with the true and living God, you don't forget about it. I don't think the three Hebrew boys could forget about their experience with God. I don't think that King Herod could could forget about the experience the three Hebrew boys had with God. You don't forget about the time that you had to stand on your faith and he didn't let you fall. You don't forget about the time that you threw three people into the fiery furnace. But when you looked back, you saw Shadrach standing there with Abednego and Meshach, but he was standing there next to another bad Negro. And you don't forget about those experiences when there's four people in the flame, but you only put three in. There are some things that you will never be able to forget. I don't think Jonah would forget about his God experiences. Some of us have experienced God in a way that we wish we had not. I remember running from God and and he had to catch me and get my attention. And the way in which he does it, he does not let you forget. No, I don't think that you wrestle with something for 12 years. I don't, I don't think that you have an issue of blood for 12 years and you spend all of your money and you go to the best doctors and they're to no avail, but you hear that Jesus is in the room. And in the midst of so many other people, you fight and you press and you only get the opportunity to touch the hem of his garment. But instantaneously, you are made whole. You don't forget about the time that in just the one second it took to touch the hem of his clothing. Twelve years of your mess. I'm only trying to preach one verse and I don't even know if I can get to it. I get excited when I think about Experiences. I can talk to you about their experiences. I, I can talk to you about my own experiences. Reverend Stevens, I'll never forget April 16th, 2000, when I sat at the Rock of My Salvation Church in Detroit, and, and, and I heard, not in Detroit, in Chicago, and I listened to a preacher preach, and he talked about, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. He said that all things have passed away, and behold, all things have been made new. I'll never forget the first time I heard the voice of the Lord speaking to me I couldn't be out of elementary school at the point but I remember thinking to myself I don't think I've ever had this experience I don't think I know exactly what he's talking about but it sounds good I would love to know what it means to be a new creature I would love to know this Jesus that he's talking about I'll never forget the time that I confessed with my mouth and believed in my heart and I experienced God because I tell you I would not be here today had that moment not happened. There ought to be a moment in your life where you remember meeting God. Let's look at the text. Scripture says, Paul. Let's let's work with that. Paul. He, He didn't He wasn't always called Paul. He actually had another name, Saul. Saul used to not write letters to the church to encourage them. Saul used to not visit different countries to establish churches like Paul does. Saul would actually persecute the church. Saul would talk about the church, but he wouldn't encourage them. He would discourage them. Paul, Saul, and Paul were two very different people. But one day, Saul was on his way to Damascus, and I'm told he had an experience with God, experiences that will change your life. He was not even looking for a God experience. Some of us don't like to admit it, Reverend Bird, but not all of us experienced God in the church. Not all of us were looking to experience him when we did experience him. Dare I say that God met some of us in the bar. Some of us he met while you were holding the bottle in your hand. Some of us he had to reach real low to grab. Saul was not looking for an experience with God. But when Jesus shows up on your road to Damascus... It doesn't matter whether you were looking for him or not. When you stand in his presence, something has got to happen. So Saul is walking on the road to Damascus and he experiences the Christ. It is not long after his experience with Christ that his ministry starts. How is it that somebody... Who, who persecuted the church now becomes someone who establishes the church? How is it that someone who, who would kill you for becoming a Christian would be someone to advocate and use words like, I implore you, I beseech ye their brethren, now now he's, he's asking that you come into the fold. What happens? Let's read. It says, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ. Some texts would say Paul, a slave of Jesus Christ. In other words, he says, I am enslaved to this gospel. I am in a chains to this gospel. I, I, it means that I couldn't not preach the gospel if I tried. I, I never really imagined that I would be a preacher. But after April 16, 2000, and I decided that I would link up with the Lord, I decided that there was some things that I just had to express and something that I had to tell. My job, I am the development and marketing coordinator for Biokato is a nonprofit arts organization, and my job is really to make sure that people know about the organization, and to make sure that our arts and our programming, that people are aware of them. I need to market the programs, correct? But I am told by my training that really, aside from any effort that I can do, word of mouth is the best advertising that you will ever have. When you have an experience, whether it be a good experience and a lot of times a bad experience, no one has to tell you to tell somebody. If you think that I am up here wasting your time, I am sure that people in the 11 o'clock service are going to hear about it even before we get to 11 o'clock service. Girl, I went to 8 o'clock and pastor wasn't there and that boy got up and he just talking and he ain't said nothing and I didn't like it and I ain't never going to come back. win word of mouth, when you have an experience, you share with somebody else. Paul had an experience that he could not help but tell somebody. When the woman met Jesus at the well, she was given instruction to keep it to herself. But I declare and decree that some things you can't keep to yourself. So he experiences Christ, and it was enough for him to realize that this is the real thing. And now my entire life course changes to tell everybody else about the gospel of Jesus Christ. It says, call to be an apostle. Paul, when, when he wrote the letter, he would write so that you would know exactly who he is. So first things first, I am no longer Saul, I am Paul. I am a new creation made by Jesus Christ. I'm not writing to you because I am the great Apostle Paul. It is not because I am Reverend David Choate that I stand in front of you. As a matter of fact, call me minister because my Bible says reverence no man but God. So I can't get hanged up on titles okay it's not because somebody decided to give me a piece of paper that i feel like i can go around and into your pulpit and take up your time but even if you decided not to license me i would write a play to tell you about the goodness of god i'll do a dance to tell you about the goodness of god I'll stand on the street corner and tell you about the goodness of my God because some things you can't keep. He's called to be an apostle. Why would God take somebody who kills and persecutes the church and call him to be an apostle. I'm sure there were Pharisees and Sadducees that he could have called to do this work. Why call Paul? Paul was a gifted young man. Paul could cut the church with his tongue. I wonder if with the same tongue he could encourage the church. Paul was relentless. I I believe that when Saul wanted somebody dead, that he would make sure that they got dead. If he could take that same passion and write 13 letters that would later become the greater part of our New Testament that I could stand up here and preach from today, if he could do that, isn't it amazing how God will take the very thing that you thought would disqualify you and call you according to his kingdom." Isn't it funny, Reverend Bird, how God will call somebody who used to be out in the world and call somebody who used to keep their legs open and call somebody who wasn't afraid to do it, but then call them and sanctify them and send them back into the world to tell other young ladies that you don't have to do it. Isn't it amazing how God can call some little boy who thought that he liked little boys and everybody would talk about it? And everybody would say, that's an abomination, but I believe that if God can deliver him, then if he can deliver him, what can't he do for him? Isn't it amazing who God will call? And some of the very people who think they're qualified will be the same ones to stand in this pulpit. And will say a lot of words when words have no power. But when God decides to anoint you. hmm. All right, we're going to move past call. We're going to move past call. But I, I believe that some just got up and went. They weren't called. They just got up and went. But beautiful are the feet of them that are called to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hmm. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Separated you. unto the gospel of God. Yes, Lord. Church, there has got to be a separation. I was talking to somebody just yesterday about my job, and I was talking about how we, 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 we call ourselves a house. It's a small group of people, and we mesh together very well. But then I was saying that there are some times where each of us, we have our own ticks and we have our own attitudes, and there's sometimes where you really don't feel like going to work. And we tour together, we perform together. So, you know, you're talking about spending 16 hours in a van with this person, and, and there's some times where their attitude just creeps up, and your attitude creeps up, and, and, you know, that's inevitable, right? But then I said, you know what? Not Mr. Hamidou. I said, we all have our little attitude and we get upset, but not Mr. Hamadou. And then I had a problem with what I just said. There's a problem when you work with folk and everybody's a Christian, except for the one Muslim. And I can remember getting into it with everybody else, except for the one that's not a Christian. I said, Mr. Hamadou is one of the most humblest people I have ever met. I don't think I've ever seen him truly upset. Akila, correct me if I'm wrong. I, I don't recall, I've never seen. This man will pray faithfully, will be on the job in rehearsal and tell our boss, excuse me, I go pray. I'm sorry, we're on the job, we're working, I go pray. And be gone to pray. We'll wake up at 6 o'clock in the morning on his off day to pray. If other religions can do it out of obligation, if other religions can do it because I believe that by my works, I will make it into the kingdom. When I experience a Christ who eradicated the law, when I experience a Christ who said, it's no longer about your perfection, but about the fact that I love you. And then I proclaim to have relationship with this God. How much more should I be the one that says, excuse me, can I take five minutes to go talk to my father? I I don't understand how it is that that he would make sure that he prays consistently and and won't miss a beat on it. I will be in the car touring and wake up and say, oh, Lord, I got to pray. But but we can go days and say, I don't know when the last time I prayed, when's the last time you really had a good conversation with God? I'm not talking about when you came to new mission and you bowed your head when somebody did devotion. I'm talking about when you was driving in the car and you said, I can't go into this job, Jesus, before I talk to you. Because if I go in before I talk to you, I don't know what might happen. I can't go through this storm, Lord, without you. As a matter of fact, if you don't go, I ain't going. When's the last time you used your relationship with Christ? Let let me see if I can bring this home. The church separated unto the gospel. I experienced him. Now I'm separated unto the gospel. I'm afraid, church, that we are progressing. Not just new missions but the Christian church as a whole is progressing. But when I look at some of the progressions that we've made, I'm afraid that perhaps we've progressed past Christ. I was talking to my Aunt Sharon yesterday, and I always pray that the Lord give me a relevant word to preach. And I, and I actually struggle with this text because I said, I, is this really a relevant word for the church? Do, do we really need to preach Jesus To a church. But isn't it amazing that a church can tell a minister that you're invited to come preach, but you can't mention the name of Jesus in our pulpit. A Christian church. Isn't it amazing that our Christian churches now are open churches, and, and, and yes, I believe that Jesus supped with the sinner. I, I believe that he sat there and he dined with the sinner. I, my Bible tells me that Jesus was the one that stood before the sinner and told the saints, you who, who have not sinned, you cast the first stone, and I, I believe that Jesus was compassionate to the sinner, and he did not discourage the sinner, but my Bible also tells me he did not condone the sinner. So it is not the place of the church in the name of Jesus to open up and say, "You know what what you do is okay i, I, I don 't send me to a church that 's going to approve of my everything because my Bible tells me that the word ought to cut you going in and cut you going out now I, and some of it might say a masochistic relationship, an SM relationship, but I want to go to a church that can give me a relevant word that will change my life and meet me in my situation. The word of God is not always popular. The first thing, the first point that I really want you to know is that your sole point of validation for doing what you do has got to be God. Here Job is, he's lost everything, everything. And those that remain around him tell him, it's got to be you. His closest person, his wife says, why don't you just curse God and die? But Job had an experiential relationship with God. He had experiences on God that he could fall back on. And he said, you didn't leave me then, and I don't believe you'll leave me now. And because of his relationship with God, he refuses to curse him. It may look like you are doing the wrong thing. It may look like you're in a place that no one else is. God will send you to a desert place. God will send you to a lonely place. There are some time, brothers, that we will preach a word and we will stand alone. Even your wives will not stand behind you on this word that you preach. But if you know God and you know Jesus and you've gone back and you've conferred with him, my sole point of validation for doing what I do has got to be God. Somebody sitting here like this ain't a word for me. He's preaching to the preachers. I'm preaching to the Christians. Because I've been told that once you are brought into the fold, that you and we have all been given the ministry of reconciliation. And that it is each of our job to reconcile somebody unto Christ. So everything that you do ought to give glory to God. Let's look at 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, But we all with open face beholding as in a glass, like a reflection, the glory of God are changed, are transformed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. When I look at you, I ought to see a reflection of Christ. Just like Saul was transformed into Paul. There ought to be a difference from the time that you received Christ to when you didn't. I should be able to look at the Christians on my job and say they are the humblest people I have ever met. They they are the most content people. They're the most joy having folk. I have ever seen. You talk about joy that you can't even speak of. Why the heck are you walking around smiling all the time? Why the heck are you never seem to have that bitter attitude? Because there's something on the inside that even though I may go through something on the outside, even though I have to deal with you on the outside, I got something on the inside that gives me joy and keeps me in perfect peace. Let's talk about peace, peace that passes all understanding. I'm talking about when you wake up and the, and, and the storms are raging and it seems like you're about to be taken under by a wave. But you know that your Jesus, probably with morning breath and sleep in his ass can just wake up and, and quietly say, peace be still. Yes. And even the storms have got to respond to the very word of Christ. Peace that passes all understanding. I am not ashamed of this gospel of Jesus Christ, people. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. Hmm. Second thing that I need you to realize is everything that you do has got to give glory to God. Amen. Amen. A church that does not give glory to God, a church that does not have Jesus Christ as its head, is a body without a head. Amen. 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 I've had conversations with ministers, ministers that came up out of this church, that now will tell you that Jesus is not the only way to heaven. That really, because of what you studied, as long as you're a good person, that perhaps if you call on the name of Allah, or even if you call on the name of Buddha, or I guess even in that sense, you can call on the name of Satan and still make it in. I am confused at how a Christian church, and if Christian means ambassador or representative of Christ, or follower of Christ, but Christ has said in the Bible that I read, it might read differently in yours, that I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one gets to the Father except through me. How is it that someone that is supposed to represent those words will say something that goes against those words? We have churches that are set up on new doctrine, ladies and gentlemen. We have churches that are set up on the doctrine that you know what homosexuality is okay, and you know what. So when when you're when you feel like you're born into something, when you feel like you can't let it go, I, I, I must say that it, it proves a point. It it it. it It entices you to want to come join the body. And though, yes, you understand what they're trying to do and trying to bring people in and saying, well, at least they go to church. I can't go to church and be fooled. I cannot decide that I am going to accept this Bible, but skip Exodus. And I'm going to accept the rest of the Bible, but I'm going to skip Romans, and I'm going to skip 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians, but the rest of the Bible is okay with me. I declare to you that with the moment you take one verse out the Bible and say, I, I, I will believe everything else but this one, then you might as well say, I do not. Believe Because the Bible is the word of God. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. So when I decide that I'm not going to align up with the word of God, I now decide I'm not going to align up with God. And I'm sorry, you can't call yourself a Christian in my book. But I'm not going to let us stand up here and attack just the homosexuals. Because I tell you something, being such a progressive church and a progressive people, we tell our people, you know what, young people, it's okay to have sex as long as you use a condom. But my Bible still talks about fornication. And I'm not talking just about the young people. I'm talking about the grown folk who say, you know what? It's the year 2012, and if I want to have sex before marriage, I can do that. I am grown. Do you know how old I am? If I want to live with him, I can live with him. If I want to live with her, I can live with her. But my Bible still says if that man is not your husband, if that woman is not your wife, then you are outside of what God has commissioned. And so you cannot come into the house of the Lord and decide that you're gonna accept everything else but skip. You, 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 you can't have a ring on your finger but say that because I'm a man, I'm not genetically able to be committed to just one person. And as long as I come home to my wife, as long as it's just sex with her, no, 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 my Bible still talks about adultery, it still talks about those things. You can't bypass one part of the Bible and just to accept everything else. These are sermons that people don't want to shout about. These are sermons that people don't go running and talking about. But let me tell you why I shout about these sermons. Because I've learned that obedience is better than sacrifice. I've learned that there's some things that I will give up on this side, but he will replace. Not even just on the other side. There are some sins that felt good to my body. But I declare when God sees that you'll let the sin go, that the spirit of God, I wish there was somebody in this room that has experienced God. I wish there was somebody in this room that says, you know what, I might be going to sleep alone tonight. I might feel restless, but when Jesus rocks me in his arms. A lifetime with Jesus is better than 30 minutes with him. Oh, a lifetime with Jesus is better than one hit from that blunt. A lifetime with Jesus. Church, we can't progress past Jesus. We do our people a disservice when we come in and we say all you have to do is put fifty dollars in the bank and put fifty dollars in the basket and i declare that by the end of the year god will bless you my bible tells me god will bless me anyhow. it's not about your capital campaign it's not about trying to raise your tithing it's not about your building fund if you're not coming into the building to uplift the name of jesus i can't give Whew. I'm sorry, these are things we don't shout about. But but when we come into the house and we lay sexual immorality on the altar, when we come into the house and we're ready to lay our drug addiction on the altar, when we come into the house and we're ready to lay our lion down on the altar, when we come into the house and we're ready to lay our own selfish pleasures down on the altar and then get down on the altar and as a church say, God, I'm here for you and it's not about anybody else. And I don't know if this sermon is gonna get many likes on Facebook. I don't know if this sermon is gonna have our membership driven. I don't know if this sermon is gonna have people running into our doors, but I'm gonna let it all go for you. I believe it's at that moment that God is going to open up the windows of heaven and pour out something that you didn't even. I don't have to sell you to come into the church. I don't have to offer you bells and whistles. I'm selling Jesus over here and I declare that he's better than anything. when did we think that we had to doctor up the gospel when did we think that the gospel was not enough the last thing i need the church to understand is that if it doesn't start and end with jesus then it ain't worth listening to you don't ever have to hear me preach again because i'm telling you today you've already heard the message because if when I preach today, I plan on preaching tomorrow. I plan on preaching Good Friday. You call me Good Friday, I'm going to preach about Jesus. You want me to preach on St. Patrick's Day? I'm going to preach about Jesus. You want me to preach on Children's Day? I'm going to preach about Jesus. You want me to preach on Men's Day? I'm going to preach about Jesus. If it don't start with Jesus, if it don't end with Jesus, Songs that never get old. There are some songs that I got on my iPod that I can just listen to over and over. The gospel of Jesus Christ is like a tune that never gets old for me. When I hear about the thorns that were placed on his head, when I hear about the blood that was shed, when I hear about the face that was beaten, that was no longer recognized, when I hear about the nails that went through his head, when, 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 I, when I hear about all these things. It's like a sweet tune that I can listen to over and over and over because if all that didn't happen and everything else is done. I believe God is calling a church that will say, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. God, Is calling a church that in an unpopular time will say, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus. God is calling a church that when you stand on the mountaintop, you will say, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I don't know where my preaching career will take me. Whether I preach at the Sentai Center, whether I preach at the Aronoff Center, whether I preach at the free store, whether I preach on the corner, whether I preach in New Mission, whether pastors preaching in Philadelphia, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ because by no other name will you make it in. Paul said, I experienced the man. I tasted and I have seen that the Lord, He is good. And if you have not experienced Him, let me tell you something. You might be somebody in this room today who has not experienced God. And you've come into the church and for some reason you woke up to come to 8 o'clock service. But I'm telling you, if you've been searching for something, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm not going to try to sell you. I'm not going to make any empty promises. I'm going to dare you to taste him and see that he is good. Let me tell you one more thing about the Roman church and then I'll sit down. Many of the letters that Paul wrote were to churches that he himself had visited. Churches that he himself had established. So when he would write these letters, it will almost be like an anecdote. It, it, it would be something, a prescription that he would leave these people with. He knew these people. It was different for the Roman church. Roman was an advancing place. Roman was, was a big place. Paul wanted to go to Romans, but he had not yet visited Romans. But he was so eager, and when you read Romans, you'll see, he, he, would, he looked forward to the time that he could visit them. But even before he got there, There were things that bothered him, and and he had to write about them. There are some scholars that say that Romans is Paul's greatest work. He he had to take his time with Romans to detail and document the process of salvation. And it will be this letter that would become his greatest work. I think disciples would be amazed. If Paul could write by hand 13 letters that would be this influential, what could Paul do in a country like the United States? Similar to the modern day Rome. What could he do with Facebook and all he has to do is in 30 seconds hit a button and 30,000 people see what you have just said? What could he do And and churches that have projector screens. And and no longer do we have to, you know, sweat trying to illustrate with our words but we can put a picture up there and everybody can see. What could he do in a country like the United States that is so progressive? So now churches are trying to become progressive. When Jesus preached, he did not have projector screens. I don't see anything wrong. Don't get me wrong, Ms. Kathleen. I think we did good. I think we did good putting the screens up. But when Jesus preached, he didn't have them. Jesus didn't have a Facebook page to have you like to come see a sermon. Jesus didn't have mass text messages. He didn't have billboards. He didn't have telecast. He didn't have a phone tree. He, he didn't have postcards, I don't think he had business cards. All he had was his words, and the experience people would have after they took his words. I'm told people, multitudes of people would follow him onto the mountaintop. I'm told that a woman left her country to come hear what the Lord had to say. I'm told that people would stand in front of him just to say, woman, thou art loose. I'm told that not only would people visit him on the mountaintop, they would follow him into the desert place to hear what he has to say. There are many things we can do, progressive church. There are many things we can do with our iPads. I'm preaching from a phone. I didn't even have my Bible. My Bible is is, is inside of the phone, and I can go to whatever scripture I want. Progressive church. There there are many things that we can do, United States. But I would rather go to China, where somebody who could be killed for, for reading the word of God, There are families right now huddled up in a corner reading the word of God because they are not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. They realize that it is the power of God unto salvation. There there are people in third world countries who would kill to have just a Bible in their hands. They don't care about projector screens. They don't care about free coffee in your worship service. They don't care about whether you can eat inside the sanctuary. They don't care whether you can come to church with your shorts and your gym shoes. They don't care about the, the, the things that we're preaching about. If you give your 50, God will give you 100. They want the word of God because they realize that the word of God is the bloodline and the only thing that will save you. Paul writes to the Roman church and he's concerned because Romans has become so progressive in their day. And and what concerns me about Paul, and I challenge you all to just go home and just read Romans chapter one. Do it today while it's fresh on your mind. And it will break your heart when you realize that there are people who have experienced God, but choose to give themselves over to the devil. There's somebody in this room today who has heard the word of the Lord. It has been irrevocable, if I may say so myself, but will decide, no, that's not right. So, somebody is not ready to let go of some of these sins. Ready to let go of a lifestyle because it's the only thing that you have ever known. But as somebody who was forced with the task of letting go, the last thing I tell to you is Jesus is the best thing that has ever happened to me. And if anybody else in the house knows him, Join me in letting these other folk know that Jesus is the best thing that ever happened to me. If anybody in the room ever struggled with letting the bottle go and just putting the bottle down, can you join me in saying Jesus is the best thing that ever happened to me. If anybody in the house knows what it is to snort crack cocaine or drugs into your body trying to chase the first high that you will never really receive again, but you let it go for Jesus, can you join me in saying Jesus is the best thing that ever happened to me? Anybody who ever get those restless feelings at night and that person is just a phone call away. But we know what it is to put the phone down. We know what it is to just go to sleep. We know what it is to say, Jesus, I'll let it go. But can you join me in letting some of these other folk who are struggling with the issue? Can you join me in saying Jesus yes, is yes. the best thing? Yes. Jesus, Jesus is yes. the best thing. I'm called to be an apostle. Jesus is the best thing. I'm an ambassador for Christ. Jesus is the best thing in season, out of season. Jesus is the best thing in a political season. Jesus is the best thing when nobody else stands with me. Jesus is. The best thing. When I stand alone, Jesus is the best thing. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation. All to Jesus I owe. All to Jesus I freely give because obedience is better than any sacrifice I could ever give. Jesus. 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 If they ain't talking about Jesus in 11 o'clock, somebody ought to say Jesus. In Sunday school, we ought to go on talking about Jesus we gotta go in our job talking about Jesus I'm done I'm done